Welcome back to San Diego Sessions, episode 17. We're in studio today with saxophonist and composer Sam Pratt. Listening to San Diego Sessions, San Diego's jazz podcast, featuring local artists, new releases, and more. Here are your hosts, Ian Tordella and Ed Kornhauser. Good morning, hello, and welcome. The San Diego Sessions. This is episode, you say it was 17? Are we on 17. Se- have we done 17 episodes yet? 17. We're, we're almost 18. You know, that's like, you know, <laughs> that's like, you know, that's the quartz anniversary right there. Uh, we're here with our guest today, uh, saxophonist and composer, uh, Sam Pratt. Hello. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Good morning. And I'm going to introduce my esteemed colleague, uh, keyboardist, organist, pianist, melodicaist, and uh, sometimes he even plays a MIDI controller, Mr. Ed Kornhauser. And I'm going to introduce my colleague, saxophonist, alto saxophonist, tenor saxophonist, clarinetist, uh, composer. Sa- soprano saxophonist. Soprano saxophonist. Uh, soprano saxophonist. I don't know. I'm just making stuff up at this point. Uh, Ian Tordella. And we have our usual segment, This Versus That. These are two people, two musicians. That are similar but not the same. Are they all, are they definitely musicians? You some, can pick one and only one. <laughs> sometimes they're not musicians. Sometimes they are not. All right. The first one is a Philadelphia question. The late bassist Dwayne Burno or acclaimed jazz guitarist Jimmy Bruno. Oh, that's tough. I mean, that's a little slant rhymey, isn't it? <laughs> it doesn't quite r- rhyme. I, oh. I did this a minute ago, so that was all. That's all I got. I'm gonna go with Dwayne Burno on that one. All right, yeah, solid. Next up, Venezuelan pianist of note and sometimes member of Ravi Coltrane's quintet, Luis Perdomo, Luis Perdomo, or trumpet player, New Orleans-born trumpet player. Louis Prima. Oh, I actually can't believe Louis. That's Prima. an odd one. Yeah, and I actually wait. I didn't know Louis Prima played trumpet. I just know him as a as a singer. Oh yeah, yeah, trumpet player. He played trumpet too. Yep. Wow, oh. Louis Prima. I yep. didn't know that. Huh. I actually always had this weird fantasy. It would be so cool to play in his band. It just sounded so fun. That seemed that seemed like a really fun gig. I used to listen to Louis Prima all the time. Um, yeah, early on he was really influenced by by Louis Armstrong. Yeah, so like swing and that super swing era stuff, but I'm gonna go against my childhood dreams and go with uh, Luis Perdomo. Am I saying his name right? Right, right. Yeah, but but I always <laughs> thought, man, that would be a fun gig to play in his band back in the day. All right, last one. Uh, bassist with the Oscar Peterson Group, George Mraz, or iconic 
comedy legend George Carlin. (laughs) (laughs) Those are two things I love. Um, Oh, boy. I can't decide. I mean, I I love George Mraz's playing. He's on a whole bunch of records that I just really dig. Um, But George Carlin, especially early George Carlin, when he did all his stuff with, like, wordplay, and even late George Carlin, when he was very, very bitter and scathing, uh, was super great and super influential. I hate to say it, I've probably listened to more George Carlin than George Mraz, so I'm going to go with George Carlin again on okay. this one. I'm going to step outside of my comfort zone. As you say, for body of work, got to go with George Carlin. He did probably influence more people than George Mraz. And plus, I mean, not a lot of people might know this, but tons of musicians are into stand-up comics and will study and watch stand-up comics for the timing. Yeah. You know, for the timing and the whole performance aspect of it, the psychological aspect. I, I've And stand-up comics are the only people who are more psychologically ill than jazz musicians. <laughs> I, th- I thought that was dentists, but uh, no, it's, it's, it's true. I've always, I've always been really interested in hearing comedians discuss like shop talk, really, like how they, how they put their acts together and how, how they go on stage and, and like different you know, relationships with other comedians and club owners and how, it, how performance anxiety works. And it's, I don't know. I found it really interesting. I've always f- thought there was a connection between comedians, musicians, and even magicians. Same thing. We all spend hours alone in a room practicing something that no one will see to make it look effortless on stage. And, uh, and you know, we have our jam sessions. Comedians have open mics. It's kind of the same thing. Yeah, and we all we all do corporate gigs too. In addition to you know playing <laughs> yes. serious music, we've all sold out. Yeah, we've all sold out. That's what we're here to talk. But about. we all have our art. We all have our heroes. It's it is a very similar thing. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I've always thought that for sure. And of course, there's always the Buddy Rich tapes, which are super famous among comedians. That's true. That's a you know the tail wagging the dog. Then yeah, uh, life imitating. Anyhow, <laughs> as we mentioned at the top of the show, we're we're joined by. Sam Pratt, saxophonist and composer, and we're going to start it off with one of his tracks. Sam, maybe you can give an intro to this track, which is called... It's called Not, Not Quite As Cute But Quicker. Not Quite As Cute But Quicker. Um, yeah, this is from my band Work Friends. We just got off tour last week. We played uh, seven shows in seven days in the Midwest. That's um, that's a demanding schedule. Yeah. <laughs> well, it was a little less traveling than you'd expect. We played... Appleton, we played Milwaukee, we played Madison, and then we played four shows in Minneapolis. Um, we played this track on all of them. Yeah, this is off our record, which is also called Work Friends. The title comes from something that one of my math professors said uh, when I was going to school about a proof, about two different proofs. One was, uh, compared to the other one, was not quite as cute, but quicker. <laughs> all right, here we go. Thank you. 
And we're back on San Diego Sessions here at Dirty Boulevard Recording Company. Uh, you just heard Not Quite As Cute But Quicker from Sam Pratt's quintet record from his group Work Friends. Uh, but we we're, were talking during the tune, but uh, for our audience, tell us who who's playing in that group with you. Yeah, this, that is uh, myself on tenor, um, Miles Allen on tenor. Um, Miles is currently in New York City. Jacob Heineman on bass, who lives in Chicago. Uh, Jeremiah Hawk, who is in Chicago now. And then uh, Jeremiah was on drums. And then Matt Blair, who uh, is on piano, and he lives in Minneapolis right now. Wow. So you guys are all pretty uh, in some pretty discreet geographical locations. Yeah, we got both the, we got all three coasts covered, if you count the uh, Great Lakes, uh. like some people do. <laughs> it's, like, it's like, wait, the Gulf Coast? None of those? Okay, got it. Cool. How'd you all meet in the first place? We we went to school together. Uh, we all went to Lawrence University. Um, in, in Wisconsin, right? Yeah, in Appleton, Wisconsin. The The group formed like pretty independently of, of school. Um, We've been playing together for we've been playing together for like five years, not as a that specific group, but I've played with everyone right. on that record for the last five years. Like they, they're all, all the time, they, they all were around Appleton. Yeah, yeah. Um, they I, all went there. All you, yeah, were, okay, yeah. I I lived with two of them for two years as well. Hmm. Um, so we kind of formed like the week before we graduated. I had all this music, and I was like, "Guys, can we get together and play this music so I hear what it sounds like before we go to." before we get spread out all across the country and right. then we played it and then we said why don't we play a show at this pop-up art gallery we played there and then we said you know we have like an extra day why don't we like do a bunch of recordings of these tunes so we went and recorded them um and then after that during the summer we we're like uh why don't we go tour and then we did and now we're here yeah nice. i believe you said you just got off off tour yeah we were gone all of last week i was gone Friday to last Saturday. Yeah. So uh, compositionally, are, are you taking the lead on all the tunes or are some of the tunes from other guys in the group? Um, on the record, those are all my tunes. Uh, for the tour, we we added a couple from other members of the group. I think it was one each from the other members of the group, and then I wrote a couple more. So yeah, that's, a, that's a pretty hefty set. Yeah. yeah. We, we had uh, nine tunes for the tour. We didn't play all of them, but. Yeah. Um, in terms of your compositional influences, who have you been inspired by, or at least in terms of this group? I know you have a lot of different projects. Yeah, um, for this group, uh, it's pretty influenced by Dave King Trucking Company. Um, yeah, so Dave King, the drummer from Bad Plus, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. Well, that's one of his side projects. Yeah, he's yeah. he's the leader of that project. It's got a uh, Chris Speed and Brandon Wozniak on. It's two tenor saxophones as well. So it's the same, same um, instrumentation. Yeah, they have guitar instead of piano. Ah, yes. Yeah. But we, we used, uh, Matt used Rhodes for a lot of the tour. So it's must, a little closer to guitar. Must have really liked that backbreaking labor of hauling a, <laughs> yeah. hauling a Rhodes around. We, we got it down to a sign. He didn't use it for all of it, but um, yeah, we got that down. With the writing, were you always imagining two saxes or was that something that kind of got added in? Yeah, later? I think I wrote the one that we just heard um, with one saxophone in mind. Or just like, I just wrote the melody. And then um, as I started writing more tunes, I started realizing I wanted two-part harmony for a lot of things, or I could have like two lines going for certain things. And um, it turned into me and Miles playing the two saxophone lines. Um, yeah, I started um, 
writing just like melodies and stuff. I, I, when I started writing all this music, I didn't really have a group in mind um, when I started. And then as I was writing, I realized a lot of it wanted two part harmony. I kind of knew I wanted drum bass and keys for all of it. So it kind of turned into me going, Hey miles, you want to play on this with me? And then, Hey Matt, Jerry, Jacob, you guys want to play this with me? Stuff like that. So yeah, it turned into this group. And by the time I was finishing up all these tunes and really like getting into the composing, I definitely had this group in mind. Well, the thing I, I really dig about it, even you guys are a quintet, but even though it is a quintet, most of the time, to me, it sounds like a trio. It's really, there's a lot of sparse areas and it's like just piano or just the horns and you hear like the bass is really prominent. Um, so it really has a small group vibe. Yeah, it's got um, an element of minimalism thrown in. Yeah, maybe, yeah, and on some of the other tunes we'll hear later in the podcast, I think that really comes through more. But that kind of leaving room for negative space, even in a bigger band, is is so right. cool. Yeah, we we try to mix it up instrumentation wise. We're we're really going for sort of like a like a band sound. Um, I think that's part of, that's like one of the main reasons we actually named the group instead of having it just be like the Sam Pratt quintet or mm. something like that. Um, you wanted the ensemble sound to be just as important as, as the individualistic solo sound. Exactly. Yeah. And on a lot of tunes we ended up um, like Crab Nebula, you'll hear, hear later. It starts with the solo for miles and then I join in and it kind of comes a lot of it's just like group improvisation um, on tour. A lot of it, we, ended up going free on a lot of the open sections. I really like leaving a lot of space for improvisation in my compositions. Kind of like the head solo head format of like straight ahead jazz, but um, the solos are really open-ended. Um, one of the one of the tunes that Matt wrote, we did, we'd play the head and then we'd go and do a trio improvisation with kind of the the... You can't see on the podcast, but I'm doing air quotes, the rhythm section. Yes. Um, and then it ended up being usually just me and Miles and then the the bass doing improvisation. Um, so stuff like that. We Yeah, we're really going for the band sound um, of the whole ensemble rather than restricting us to you take a solo, you take a solo and stuff like that. You guys definitely have a good grip on, on playing free on one of the tracks, which I don't think we're going to hear today, but I was listening to the record last night. So if you want to hear it, you can listen to it. Um, I think it's called We Are Not Metaphors. Yeah. There's a really nice free improv piano solo, mm -hmm. and he gets into this weird sort of atonal vibe, uh, but it just sounds it sounds incredibly natural. And yeah. And really, it perked my ear up. I was lying on my couch just listening, and I'm like, wow, <laughs> that's a really cool thing. They've definitely got a grip on. And then the band comes in. Right. Yeah, we, we all kind of ended up moving towards free improvisation um, from the time that we've been playing together. Just like as musicians, we we all strayed towards the free side of things and are heavily into um, free improvisation. So if you want to hear more from Sam's group or this uh, collective Work Friends, you can hear the whole record at workfriends.bandcamp.com. And Bandcamp is a great, uh, more artist-driven website where you can find tons of original music. And support the artists. And support right. the artists more we're, directly. But we're also, work, workfriends.bandcamp.com. We're also on my friend um, Jason Koth, who uh, mastered the album and recorded it. We're on his label called This Is Not Social Media, um, <laughs> which I think, yeah. I like that. Yeah, it's you, cool. We, I think you can find that at thisisnotsocialmedia.bandcamp.com. Awesome. Yeah. And also on Bandcamp, I believe you've got another record. I do. 
This is a you put out two in one year. I did, which is yeah. uh, that's more than I've put out in my <laughs> we life. We do the opposite. We do like one every two years. <laughs> I, I do none every every thirty years, which is <laughs> that's currently my record. <laughs> you are in the Matt Smith New Jazz. That's trio. true. Okay, yeah. that's true. That's I've been on a lot of been a lot. Of, I've been lucky enough to have been on a lot of really cool projects, especially lately. I just don't have a thing of my own yet. Anyway, um, you've got another record and this right. is a this is a rather cool ambitious project this is a solo record yes um like i said before i've kind of strayed away into the free improvisation land um and with that came a lot of solo playing recently uh this year and last year i've gotten more and more into working on my sort of concept as a solo player um along with that came um, working with electronics. So I, I've been working with a looper pedal for a while. And a lot of this has to do with um, not not quite like looping like a beat or something like that, but looping, seeing what I can do with a looper pedal with just like sounds, like recording really, really, really short lines or really long lines and stuff like that. Um, so my other record I released this year is um, just saxophone, looper pedal, and reverb pedal. And it's called... Uh... Holy the fourth dimension. Yes. I really like that title and I really want to say that out loud. <laughs> is it is it like Holy the Fourth Dimension, Batman? Is it that kind it, of a It's from um <laughs> it's from uh do you know Howl by Alan Ginsberg? I don't actually. Yeah. Um huh. it's from the I wanna say the uh, I think it's the epilogue. No. It's like something like the prelude or the epilogue or something like that, where he goes, holy the something, holy the something just for, Oh yeah. yeah. For like three pages. It's been a while. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's come all coming back to me now. Yeah. <laughs> so in terms of your concept of sound on, on saxophone and on tenor saxophone, uh, who are some of your big influences that went into, well, both work friends and, and the solo project? Um, right. For the, for work friends, influences is obviously, Dave King Trucking Company, which I said before. Um, with that, there's yeah, like Chris Speed, Chris Speed, and yeah. Brandon Wozniak. Um, and Chris Speed plays. Doesn't he play a lot of clarinet also? Yeah, yeah. not not quite as much in that group. <clears throat> um, yeah, me and Miles and I joke that he's the Chris Speed and I'm the Brandon Wozniak, or uh, he's the Lester and I'm the Coleman Hawkins and stuff <laughs> like that. Um, I don't know Wozniak as well, uh, but when you guys are playing heads and stuff together, it's that beautiful like stripped down almost no vibrato sound yeah which i love it's like a really dry sound like open landscapes but then when you're soloing you almost take on a different personality yeah so i try to just this is so cliche be myself when i'm (laughs) playing (laughs) don't do that (laughs) when i'm when i'm playing like the heads i'm trying to balance with miles and um fit our sounds together but uh i think less about that when i'm when i'm soloing or uh not playing like in unison or harmonies and stuff like that um, other influence for my solo record influences, um, for, for my solo stuff, I've been, I've been checking out, um, Peter Brotzman and Evan Parker, Evan Parker, some crazy solo saxophone pieces where he just like does circular breathe, circular breathing, um, mouthpiece chirping, biting the reed sort of thing for like 20 minutes. And Brotzman obviously has like the really crass in your face saxophone sound. Um, and he does a lot of solo stuff too. That's what I can think of off the top of my head for solo influences right now. So was this whole recording entirely DIY for you? Did you do it all yeah. yourself? Mm-hmm. Wow. I did it all myself. I um, just like in my room recorded it. 
solo, you don't need to you need to master it a little bit, but not really mix it. Cool. Right on. Well, what uh, what track are we going to listen to? We're going to listen to one called Day Moon. Right on. And you can find this record at samp6.bandcamp.com. Thank you. 
You're listening to San Diego Sessions. Subscribe on iTunes or listen online at DirtyBoulevardRecording.com. This is J.P. Balmain, saxophonist and band member of Euphoria Brass Band. Here's your jazz forecast for the jazz calendar December 10th through the 17th. Monday, December 11th, guitarist Louis Valenzuela hosts his regular Monday night jam session at Rosie O'Grady's in normal heights from 9 p.m. to midnight. No cover, 21 and up. Tuesday, December 12th, Jazz Live presents the KSDS Jazz Orchestra, directed by Gilbert Castellanos, playing Duke Ellington and Shorty Rogers' version of the Nutcracker Suite. Show starts at 7 p.m. Show is sold out, so listen at 88.3 FM. Wednesday, December 13th, trumpeter Gilbert Castellanos hosts his regular Wednesday night jam session at Panama 66. Listen to the best jazz San Diego has to offer right in the middle of Balboa Park. Music from 8.30 to 11.30 p.m. Come early to see the Young Lions play from 6 to 8 p.m., featuring up-and-coming musicians from around the city. The Crew de Tat Brass Band plays some New Orleans jazz jams at 7 grand at 10 p.m. No cover, but you must be 21 or older. Thursday, December 14th, singer Lorraine Castellanos is joined by guitarist Bob Boss at Panama 66 from 6 to 8 p.m. for her bi-weekly residency. Local big band, the Jazz Cats Orchestra, releases their brand new holiday album at Queen Bee's Arts and Cultural Center in North Park, featuring singer Whitney Shea. Doors at 7 p.m., music at 7.30, admission is $15 general and $10 for students, 21 and up. Just across town, check out the new Late Night Jam Session at the Ken Club, hosted by the twin tenor saxophonist Robert Dove and Ian Buss. Music from 10 p.m. to 1 a.m. $5 cover, but musicians get in for free. You must be 21 years or older. Friday, December 15th, vocalist Leonard Patton, pianist Melanie Grinnell, and bassist Marshall Hawkins play at the Hanleria Hotel and Hotel Circle from 5.30 to 7.30 p.m. There's no cover and the parking validations are available. The Friday Happy Hour is a regular series put on by Holly Hoffman, so stay tuned for more great jazz. Singer-songwriter Erica Davies brings her group to Panama 66 from 7 to 9 p.m. The Joshua White Trio plays at Dizzy's, featuring bassist Rob Thorson and drummer Duncan Moore. Music begins at 8 p.m., covers $20, all ages. Gilbert Castellanos presents Jazz at the Westgate, an intimate series in the Plaza Bar at the beautiful Westgate Hotel. Music from 8 to 11 p.m. Saturday, December 16th, vocalist Lorraine Castellanos and guitarist Bob Boss at Harvest by the Patio in East Village at 6 p.m. Just a bit west of there, singer Allison Adams Tucker is joined by pianist Joshua White and bassist Dean Hewlett at the Westgate Hotel from 8 to 11 p.m. Lex and the Jewels plays at Panama 66 from 7 to 9 p.m. Gilbert Castellanos and Rob Thorson bring their students from the Young Lions Jazz Conservatory for a winter recital at Dizzy's at 8 p.m. Admission is $10 and all ages are welcome. Sunday, December 17th, the Gas Lamp Quarter Jazz Orchestra plays a late afternoon holiday concert at the First Presbyterian Church of El Cajon at 4 p.m. Admission is free, doors at 3.30. Tap dancer Claudia Gomez and gypsy jazz group Trio Gaggio plays at Panama 66 from 6 to 8 p.m. Flutist Holly Hoffman, pianist Mike Wofford, 
and more of San Diego's best in jazz presents Let It Snow, a live musical performance and art exhibit at Bread and Salt in Barrio Logan. Things kick off at 6.30 p.m. Tickets available at www.camarada.org. That's Camarada with a C. Later that evening, Grammy Award-winning vocalist Diane Reeves comes to the Balboa Theater at 8 p.m. to play some holiday tunes. Tickets available online. This is J.P. Belmont, and you're listening to San Diego Sessions. Welcome back to San Diego Sessions, big episode number 17. We're here at Dirty Boulevard with Sam Pratt again, and you heard his tune Crab Nebula just then with the jazz calendar, and before that we heard a track from his solo record, that was Day Moon. And now we're back for the San Diego 7 with our very own Edward Theodore Kornhauser. Oh, he knows my middle name. Uh... Yes, these are, this is the San Diego 7. These are seven rapid-fire questions that we'd like you to answer from the top of your head and the bottom of your heart. Of course. Had to Don't ins- be nervous. Had, <laughs> I had to insert that pregnant pause in there for dramatic effect. All right, number one. What was the first thing you thought of when you woke up this morning? Mm, snooze my alarm, probably. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good, yeah, that makes sense. Oof. Um, number two, do you have a favorite book? A favorite book? Um, I have a couple favorite books. Uh, probably Kafka on the Shore by Haruki Murakami. Mm. Um, it's a really, I love his books. I have read all of his novels. It's a really cool story about a lot of different things and a lot of it. It's pretty surreal. It's about like a 13-year-old runaway and then a, like an old man kind of swapping stories. Uh, yeah, I love all of Murakami's books. I've read all of his novels. I have a lot of them. Um, my other one that's really close is uh, Kurt Vonnegut's Breakfast of Champions, hmm. um, which is what my tattoo on my arm is from. <laughs> oh, right on. Um, I didn't, know, I didn't uh, even notice. Yeah. You need to talk to uh, guitar player Jeff Miles, who's from here. He's a really big Vonnegut Oh, head. really? Like, everything he says is a Kurt Vonnegut reference, and I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about, man. I only read, like, two of them. (laughs) I've read a bunch of them. Uh, Not as many as the Murakami ones, but yeah. Yeah. I read my first Murakami novel this year. I read um, Wind Up Bird Chronicle. Wind Up Bird is good, yeah. Yeah. It's just, man, he goes into so much detail. Yeah. Like, everything. He picked up the coffee. He set it down. He blew his nose. He wanted to go sit in the kitchen for five minutes. Then he went to the bathroom. Just like, oh, my God. That's not a criticism. And you're talking about surrealism. That's definitely yeah. a big... If it's Kafka on the shore, that's like compounding yeah. Franz Kafka and then Haru, Haruki Murakami is just woo, surrealism on steroids. Yeah. All right. Number six. Number six. Okay. Actually, this is number three. What's the first record you bought with your own money? With my own money? Um, <laughs> way back when I was getting into jazz, uh, one of my friends sent me a video of Joshua Redman... Uh, playing this like slap tongue solo so i went and bought uh, i can't remember what they're it's called freedom in the groove yeah i bought that's a that great one. solo man. yeah that's um, like slap tonguing that i actually like yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> i i uh yeah that was the f- that was the first one i bought wait 
Actually, it might have been Led Zeppelin 2 was what I bought. I was pretty big into Led Zeppelin in middle school. That was right the first on. jazz record I bought. Though. This this will date me, but when I was first getting into jazz was probably when all those Redmond, first Redmond records were coming out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he had his sweet, Redmond still had his sweet Arsenio Hall hairdo. <laughs> yeah. That's that's the Redmond that I love, the Arsenio Hall do. We've got to bring that back. No, no the question is, did you ever... Now, and now did we you both ever don't try, have hair. Yeah. Did you try to ape that, uh, ape that hairdo ever? No, but a lot of guys in my high school did. That <laughs> 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 was like, you had two choices. It was like the Arsenio and then like, I don't know. The vanilla ice. <laughs> um, number four, because it's Christmas. What's a favorite Christmas gift you've received as a child or as an adult? Mm, probably when I got the uh, my family got a GameCube. Yeah. That was that was pretty sweet. That would be pretty neat. Yeah. <laughs> I, I I yeah. <laughs> I was a gamer when I was younger. I don't have time anymore. <laughs> um, number five, I hope I'm going to say this right, because I am venturing out into weird territory on this one. I don't understand. I'm going to hit you with some this versus that. Number five, Emacs or Vim? This is this is a little computer question, isn't it? It is. I, we have no idea. We what have this no idea means. what it means. I, <laughs> we don't know. Yeah, well, I asked I, friends. I got I got I don't know what Emacs is, but uh, I've used Vim. If I think it's, I think that's what you, you're talking. They're about. They're like text editor programs. Yes, yes. I used Vim. I okay. like Vim. Okay. We go with Vim. Okay. Yeah. We'll Ed and Vim. I like Vim the best too. <laughs> I asked two of <laughs> In a theoretical world. Yes. <laughs> I asked two of my friends who are both jazz musicians and who are both programmers and who are both named Ben which is weird, uh, today. And they both said that. Vim? They both, no, no they, they well, both no. came up with oh, the same, same oh, question. Really? Okay. Yeah. So it's pretty much like they're the same person. They're, <laughs> they're not. Thanks, Ben Hughes, and thanks, Ben Wanaker. Right. Um, number six, another this or that. Yamaha or Yanagisawa? Did I say that right, by the way? Yes. yes. I got the Ian Tordella nod. Hmm. Uh, probably... Yanni Gasawa. I'm not much of a gear person, so I, I haven't played too many different saxophones, but uh, I used a Yanni Gasawa to, to march in high school, hmm. um, which was pretty nice and better than the Yamahas. But uh, I'm a fan of uh, the German horns more, the American horns. Hmm. So Yanni Gasawa. Yeah. 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 We'll way, go with that. All the way I'll back. 10 points for Hufflepuff. <laughs> all the way back from 1893. That's how long that company's been around. Since Ed just looked at their Wikipedia page. I looked at them, yeah. I looked at them earlier this morning and I happened to see that. All right. Number seven, our old standby. Bacon? Mm, I was trying to come up with a witty response because I knew I knew this question was coming, but I couldn't find anything. So yes. Yes. That's you know what? Who needs wit, really? <laughs> Perfect. Thank you. All right. That was the San Diego Seven. All right. Thanks, Ed. Uh, so, Sam, before we take it out, do you guys have plans to tour again or a, a new record in the works? We we have very vague plans. Uh, <laughs> Those <laughs> meaning, are the best. Meaning kind. we've, yeah. we've uh, the uh, Facebook group chat has been um, has been active about that. We have vague plans for uh, all sorts of things in 2018, like a new record because we have a bunch of tunes. Um doing like weekend shows in the Midwest or even a bunch of people coming out here and playing some shows. 
So uh, I would say stay tuned. Keep keep work friends on your radar. Right on. I hope to see the group live at one point. Yeah, yeah sound sound I hope great. We can come out here. So like we talked about earlier, the players in Work Friends are so geographically spread out. Do you mm-hmm. have any plans to start a different group here in San Diego? Yeah, I, I have I'm still like meeting people and stuff like that. Because um, you're from here. I am from here. You went you went to Pow you were from Poway. Yeah, I went to Poway High. Yeah. Um yeah, I have plans to uh move closer to the city soon. Um I'm still meeting people. Um, I'm working on my solo stuff a lot. I'm going to start working on digital effects and digital looping and stuff like that with my playing. Um, so I would say keep me on your radar for 2018 as well. All right. Cool. 2018, the year of the Sam. <laughs> the year of the Samp. Yes. <laughs> so we're going to take it out with, with one last tune. But again, we'd like to thank you for being guest number 17. Yes, thanks and, for yeah. having me as guest number 17. Please yeah. come back in, and anytime you got some new material, we'd love to help showcase it. Uh, but we're, we were talking before we started, and this is a beautiful ballad. It's called Who Knows, and this really features the, the sound of the two horns, but in more of a sparse landscape yeah yeah i kind of wanted to say earlier one of the one of the cool things about like having a group with two of the same instrument in it um that you really get to hear the differences in not only the ways you approach it the music but your tone right it's a really cool group ensemble to do that with yeah two tenors in particular there there's a there's like a concept in i think it's indian music where um when things are in unison but just like a tiny bit out of tune um, just like, like microscopically out of tune, there's like a, there's a sparkle to the, to the sound. Um, I think the double tenor approach kind of highlights that when you have stuff in unison, cause I've been writing a lot of the stuff in unison then, um, it sounds totally different when you break into harmony. Yeah. But it's cool to hear it in unison, but with that just slight imperfection. Right. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks again, Sam. And here, here comes who knows. <laughs>
been listening to the San Diego Sessions podcast brought to you by Dirty Boulevard Recording Company. Please subscribe now on iTunes or listen online at dirtyboulevardrecording.com. Theme music composed by Ed Kornhauser, performed by Ed with Grant Fisher guitar, Harley Magzino bass, Ian Tordella saxophone, and Charles Weller on drums. If you'd like to be a guest on San Diego Sessions, please contact us. All musical selections are used by permission of the artists. San Diego Sessions is engineered and produced by Ian Tordella at Dirty Boulevard Recording Company. <laughs>